This is a regular service. This is a microservice. Hey guys, and welcome to the show. I am so excited because today we have the one and only Rozzy back. Rozzy, what's up, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me back. Uh, looking forward to chatting with you guys. Yeah, that's awesome, man. We're going to do um, microservices in Azure, correct? Yes, we're going to be covering that today. Okay. All right, so tell us a little bit about exactly what that is. What's a microservice? So microservice is kind of like a loose term at this point in time. It, it depends like uh, who you ask, honestly. But um, in reality, I look at it as a combination of three things, uh, people, process, and technology. Um, okay. Most likely today we're going to focus more on technology, like how you can um, deploy and host microservices on Azure. But in reality, I mean, you should look like, look at it cohesively as a combination of these three things. Uh, because uh, if you miss or if you neglect either one of these, probably uh, you may not be able to succeed with your mission to get on microservices. So. I guess we all know what services are, right? Everybody that's running OS knows what a service is. Um, so, what's the benefit of a microservice to 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 you know the average IT person? Well, I think it's a good question. So, I think from the from the IT standpoint, I think the the biggest benefit would be that the the time to release, I think, and the time to maintain. Um, when you have a traditional style services where, um, you know, we can look at them and call them monolithic, the way you basically sustain them and update them is drastically different the way you do it in microservices. So that's a key distinguish factor between the two. Um, if you look at the size of the services and the way you wanted to put them into production, mm -hmm. uh, compared to, for example, if you have a traditional application uh, that have dependencies not necessarily spread across, um, there's a fundamental more work you're doing. So from, a, from, from, from like a little bit high level, when I look at the microservices, a good way to look into it is like, what are the key attributes that make them different from a traditional style development? And mm -hmm. that's kind of like a borderline technology slash like your practices, the way you actually build software, uh, this is where the blend is. And I think this is where probably it's difficult to have a consistent definition of microservices. Um, as I mentioned yeah. earlier on, that is kind of a blend of multiple things together. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I kind of get that. Are you, so it sounds, it sounds like we're saying that because these services are limited in scope, um, they're quicker to development and we can run them in containers in the cloud? Yes, yeah, so container is definitely uh, a technology that that resonates very well with the microservices because dependencies are right within the container. So the way I'm building or, or, or writing a code right now on my on, on my laptop, um, if I basically pass it over to you, all the dependencies are there. So by design, things should work. So there's no more like, hey, it's working on my laptop and now something breaks it. Uh, okay. Yeah. Although something always breaks, but there's a yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great. Well, let's see the PowerPoints. Um, yeah. So um, let's just 
take a look at the history first. And uh, I just put together the slide to um, take a take a quick look at what happened in 1990s, right? So these are the, uh, let me just bring this down. Uh, so remember 90s? Yeah. <laughs> Service-oriented like, architecture? Yeah, and, and OLA, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> OLA and all that. And yeah. um, so, I mean, the reality is that, and look at this page right here. It still exists, by the way. If I click on this, it will open up. This is from 1997. Um, the, the point here I wanted to convey is that, that um, technologies, tools changes. So um, the only thing that basically uh, important is to evolve and uh, adopt the change. And I think uh, Microsoft did a fantastic job. Uh, and we talk about it, different hosting options for microservices. Uh, we, we evolve on that drastically. So, um, so yeah, anything just thought it would be interesting to share this. Um, so what are microservices? Um, you know, uh, there's this, there's a quote from uh, Melvin Conway uh, about um, like organizations that design a system will produce a design whose structure is a copy of organization's communication structure. So basically, the way the organization have teams interact with each other will have a direct correlation to what they will produce. And uh, this is essentially um, reference, reference in the uh, Martin Fowler seminal blog entry that he did on the microservices many years back. And um, going back to the point, like how you look at the microservices, um, you need to look into it holistically from, from, from this side of the house too. So people, process, technology, working together to provide you microservices. Um, when it comes to technology, um, there are a few principles that you can um, you can look at when it comes to microservices. Uh, it's hard to have like a litmus test when it comes to microservices, but um, I would rather have these attributes. If, if, if they are there, then it's just better assurance that probably the design close to the microservices. So the first thing is these services, they are independent and they're independent of technology. So you can have different services being developed in different technology stacks, completely independent technology stacks, most likely. Uh, you can deploy them independently, you can version them independently, and you can choose languages independently. So maybe there's one team working with Python and other team working with ASP.NET Core stack, and there's the other team working with completely different technology stack, and they should be able to have services that can be still um, work together. And that's an important, um, uh, important area to understand because traditionally, uh, both on the Microsoft side, Microsoft technology side, we have Microsoft stack, uh, especially with .NET, we have uh, developers uh, working with um, Microsoft um, like languages like C-sharp, ADO.NET, Entity Framework, SQL, all the, the whole shebang. Uh, but if you have another vertical in the same organization working with, let's say, um, open source technologies, historically, it was a little bit difficult for these two teams to cross-pollinate. With microservices, uh, things changed drastically on that front. So you will see that throughout this um, uh, throughout this talk, um, when we look at microservices in Azure, uh, we try to bring or enable customers to uh, work throughout the technology landscape. It's not like just uh, .NET or one particular uh, technology stack. Uh, the other thing that is important to call out is the automation. 
Um, and really automation here, if you, if you see here, this circle I draw or try to draw is uh, basically like a DevOps. So you wanted to make sure that you have uh, a very streamlined way of putting things into production. They should be automated. Um, there shouldn't be like a big bang releases um, or there shouldn't be any surprise or ceremonial style releases. So the quicker you put things into production, you test them out and get the feedback back to the development team, the better it is. And that typically means shorter release time. So release to production can be ideally maybe weekly or less, um, but uh, it shouldn't be like, like, like twice a year, which we all know not necessarily great thing. Um, other things are from like fail safe standpoint, these services fail predictably. So no single service should bring the system down. And that's a critical piece. I mean, literally, if, if I have to pick one thing, this is one of the most important item. Like if you look at the system holistically, and if you just probably take one of the services out, uh, the entire system should able to at least function in a predictable way. Even if it's not 100% working, it should able to uh, fail safely. Um, and most likely you want it to have automatic recovery uh, blend in there too. Um, and finally, we have the encapsulation piece, which is basically these services are really nimble, small, so they're single responsibility. You don't want it to have one service doing five things. And the reason really is that, that the more you're going to, like if you bulk up a service with multiple responsibilities, then really it's not a single service anymore. So that's an that's a important thing to understand. And you also don't want it to expose the how part. What is important for other services to know, like, what that service is achieving, how it's been implemented, is it X technology stack versus Y, you don't really care. The agreement is going to be more on like the what part and uh, some other aspects, not essentially like like what technology and how it's been done. Uh, so this is a very high level, um, sort of like a introduction to the microservice principles. Now, when you implement these uh, in reality, you need, to, you need to follow some patterns. Uh, these are some of the, the common patterns that are much more than that. Um, and we do have like a workshop and chalk talks that talks more about these, but just to touch base on a few of these, um, when these services uh, went live in production, you definitely want them to be discoverable. And there are different patterns for that. And remember, we're talking about small, independent, discrete services. So it's challenging to um, uh, for, for for the client to go and discover them. So you need to follow certain patterns on that. So there's, there's a server-side discovery pattern, there's a client-side discovery pattern, and depending on your use case scenario, you may want to choose uh, one of them. Uh, there's a service registry pattern, there's an API gateway. So there's a, there's a lot of literature around uh, in the back that you need to sort of like ramp up when you start looking into microservices. I won't say that you need to know it all, but you probably wanted to have just enough information to, uh, to go out before you start working and developing these uh, microstyle, microservices style applications. So with that, let's take a look into what options we provide as Microsoft um, in Azure. Um, and I sort of like sum it up into this slide here. And if you notice on the left-hand side, we have the VM scale sets, which is really kind of lowest common denominator when it comes to infrastructure for us. Uh, these are elastic and declarative, so you can create an ARM template and you can have a basic unit of deployment right there. Now, 
typically when you think about microservices, VM scale set may not come into mind. And the reality is that that if you use VM scale set as is, you can deploy applications over there, you can scale them. However, you still have an infrastructure piece that you're managing. So um, when when we work with customers, at least my experience is that, that they are they are like a it depends on the maturity level of the customer and depending on their existing workloads. If they wanted to bring it to Azure and they are not necessarily looking into Greenfield, they, they have some legacy applications which they may or may not want it to redesign, then uh, then we still wanted to make sure that we, we have a path forward for them. But as you go towards the right, you will see that um, what I have over here, let me just move it a little bit here. Uh, is the hyperscale and the the first thing that you see there is the Azure Container Service and Azure Container Service is essentially a hosting platform that we provide to host open source um, high density container based platforms and this is really we are agnostic there of uh, products uh, we choose literally what market uh, what's mar resonating with the market right now. So Swarm, DCOS, and Kubernetes are, um, at the time of this recording, are the leading contenders. So we support them. Um, and we'll talk about that later. So I'm not going to go in detail. But uh, but today, if you wanted to go and create a, uh, deploy your containers in, in Azure, Azure Container Service is a great option. Now, high density probably needs a little bit of a um, explanation. So high density really means that, that if you have an application, let's say, running uh, full-fledged uh, existing on-premises application and you wanted to somehow craft it and put it into container, uh, container is a platform that can allow you to do that because functionally you can look at it from, well, I have a VM and the closest thing that comes to the VM is a container. Now, I think it's, it's fair to say it's debatable how you wanted to create a microservice and I don't think there's one answer, but uh, the point here is that, that uh, if you have existing set of applications running today, maybe let's say .NET 3.5 applications, and you eventually wanted to put them and scale them heavily, then uh, it may make sense to put them into container. Uh, then as we go towards the right, you will see we also have the open source uh, PaaS platform. So Cloud Foundry is, uh, Pivotal Cloud Foundry is what we uh, what we uh, provide uh, to be to be hosted. So you can, you can use that. Um, mainly like if you, if you are a Java shop, uh, customers who are, you know, working uh, with Java applications uh, gravitate towards that. So we wanted to make sure that if they wanted to run their solutions and uh, they're creating microservices based on that, then that's one option for them. Um, and then we have the app service. So app service has been around for a long time. I think um, even before Azure Container Service and Service Fabric, we, we have um, app services platform. And um, app services is, a, is quite a holistic platform. So we provide customers ability to create web-based applications, mobile, and also serverless. So serverless is uh, with the Azure functions, you don't really need, like like a, you don't need to be aware of a VM in the back and you don't have to care about that. It's basically you write it, your logic inside the function and then you can access it in certain ways. Uh, we recently, um, I believe um, late in 2016, added support for Docker containers within the app service. So, and I will show you the demo for that. Um, so that's a that's a big uh, move forward because now you have various platform to host containers. You can basically host it yourself if you want. Uh, create a VM scale set. 
you can host it with the Azure Container Service if you want. Uh, you have multiple options there uh, to choose from, like which orchestration platform you wanted to use. Um, or you can actually use App Service. Um, and then from there, you can actually have the Docker container support. And finally, we have um, our own premium platform, the Azure Service Fabric. Now, Azure Service Fabric um, is um, is many things. Um, there are slides next, so I'm not going to go in detail here. But it's the orchestrator. It allows you to write these hyperscale, uh, and I mean really, really hyperscale um, uh, microservices style applications. Uh, it provides you basically a programming model to do that, and you can choose based on your requirement, like which one going to be a good fit. Um, it also have this option that if you choose not to use the programming model, rather than bring your own executable, like um, it literally can be a like like a console application if you may, if you want to put it like that, or it can be a container, uh, you know, you, because it's a, it's executable at the end of the day that hosts the container. And you can use Service Fabric purely as an orchestrator platform. So it, it's, a, it's a pretty flexible service in that sense. Yeah, so um, another area that uh, you, will, um, you will find out um, uh, when it comes to microservices being talked about is orchestration. And uh, just to clarify here that orchestration is uh, not necessarily uh, means containers. Um, Containers um, are essentially unit of repeatable deployment, and one of the main benefit is that that all the dependencies are within the container. So that's a uh, that's a big problem solver in in the technology industry, right? Uh, and they also provide you a security and isolation boundary, especially with the Windows containers. We added support for the Hyper-V containers uh, that give you. A higher degree of assurance when it comes to like uh, the isolation. Yeah. Now, the orchestration is something else. Orchestration really means that uh, it it does a lot of lot of things underneath the umbrella of orchestration. So, orchestrator will do automatic failover. It will do upgrades. It will do state management. It will do constraints. Like for example, you can tell orchestrator that I do not want uh, this particular. Um, container uh, to, to go beyond, let's say, 50% of the CPU isolation, or I wanted to thresh, put a threshold on um, IO and things like that. Um, they can also do the health checks. So there's an entire market around orchestrators. Um, Microsoft has their own um, Azure Service Fabric uh, that provides orchestration, and there are some other third-party orchestration out there. So uh, because most of the time uh, the orchestrator will be working with containers sometimes there is this sort of like a, a, a ambiguity like we're actually you know are they, are they together or can you have an orchestrator without a container the answer is yes um, orchestrator can work without the containers too so I just wanted to call it out there for audience to uh, to understand that um, so now let's talk a little bit about the Azure service fabric um, and what I did here is that that um, I don't want this to be like a <laughs> dead by PowerPoint. So there's a TLDR thing right there that uh, talks about what it is in one line. And then we talk about a little bit details. So Azure Service Fabric in a nutshell is an orchestrator, is a microservices programming, provides a microservices programming model. Um, and it also provides ability to host the guest executables. Um, and 
if you, if you put it together, um, uh, this is like a pretty pretty flexible platform. In fact, internally, we we've been using it for many years. So last year in 2016 at Build, we make it uh, it become G8. Before that was uh, in a preview. Uh, but uh, way, way before that, we've been using it internally. So there's some, there's just few services that uh, that are built on top of the Azure Service Fabric. So we have the uh, core infrastructure, Bank Cortana, Event Hubs, Document DB SQL. It's, it's, it's a lot of application services out there. Um, when it comes to the Service Fabric, um, there are a couple of things to understand. Based on the use case scenario, you can use Azure Service Fabric in different ways. So one way to look into it is that, that you can create microservices using the programming model provided by the Service Fabric. And programming model means really, in this in this sense, it really means that, that you will go ahead and choose do you want it to have a stateless service uh, or stateful service. When we talk about the stateful service, do you want the Azure Service Fabric to provide you means to manage the state. So you use the, let's say, reliable uh, collections uh, for, for managing the state. Uh, you can use the actor model. That's very popular when it comes to scenarios like IoT or connected devices uh, because they're essentially actors interacting with each other. But what happens if you do not want it to, for some, some reason, maybe technical, maybe some business reason, you don't want to uh, invest upfront um, and go towards that route then um, you can use Azure Service Fabric as a orchestrator. And in that sense, what really going to happen, that it will allow you a platform to basically um, host and run the guest executable. Now, there won't be any um, like, a, like a programming model, the, the, the Service Fabric programming model involved in that. You're not going to get probably the benefit of managing states that way, but you do get benefit what Orchestrator provides you. You get all the features set there. So in that case, you're basically using it just merely as an orchestration platform, but that can be very, uh, very handy because um, if you look at it, uh, Service Fabric as, a, as an orchestrator can support running uh, Docker, Windows, and Hyper-V containers. And um, just to make things even more interesting, you can have Service Fabric running containers. So basically you're hosting it as a guest um, executable. And uh, then there's one option. The other option is that, that you can have a container and uh, containers can run Service Fabric inside it. Um, and you will, you will probably ask like why you want to do that. Well, the reason go, goes back to the fact that that uh, when service fabric, uh, when, you, when you write service fabric based microservices, these services are deployed as a, as a process. So every service that you're writing essentially is a single process. Um, when, you, when you build applications like in a container, container provide you a view that's like a own operating system in it. So it's a fundamental difference right there. So when you deploy services using a service fabric programming model, the microservices, then um, every service is like a process and they basically share the operating system in that sense. When it comes to container, every container has its own view of the operating system. So it's a, this is sort of like a different in the density right there. Um, so you can choose uh, 
between the two. And 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 the reality is that based on my experience working with the customers, uh, it's it's a blend of these things together. It's not like one or another. It's like well, for these scenarios, you wanted to use this. For these scenarios, you wanted to use this type of um, um, a blend of uh, these two together. So this is it's interesting how I wanted to put it. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the Azure Container Service. Um, it's uh, the easiest way to describe it is like it's uh, it provides you hosting option for um, the open source orchestration and scheduling tools that are pretty much leading the market today. And uh, the reason we we are really not here to pick the winner. Uh, this is really based on the customer feedback and um, whatever tools are resonating in the market with the customers, we are basically supporting them. Uh, they are the easiest way to look at it probably is to um, see what we have there. We have Docker Swarm on the extreme left. Um, of course, this is um, coming from the uh, the Docker the company. And um, you can use Docker Swarm basically to provide clustering for the native Docker containers. Uh, the, the Swarm has evolved a lot in the last uh, two to three years. So um, basically, there are customers who are invested in uh, in Docker, and they are, are familiar with Docker Swarm. Uh, so historically, they've been uh, they've been using it. So we want to make sure that if you wanted to put your containers out there and you wanted to um, scale them in um, in Azure, then Azure Container Service provides you support for that. Um, another one, which is um, uh, I think the last eighteen months or so, uh, been uh, getting a lot of traction, is the Kubernetes. Uh, Kubernetes was originally um, came out of Google and uh, they uh, they open source it. And um, what's happening on the Kubernetes front is that that Kubernetes um, uh, initially it was running on Linux and it still do. Uh, we support that uh, in Azure Container Service. Uh, there's another effort going on to bring Kubernetes to to Windows. And um, there was a release. Um, in December 2016, where the first alpha release, uh, which supports um, Kubernetes on uh, on Windows natively, um, it's really early right now. So uh, there are a lot of features that are not there. Uh, so in terms of parity between what you get when you have a Kubernetes, the original Kubernetes versus the one on Windows, but um, the roadmap is definitely there. Um, so there's a continued continuing area of investment for for Microsoft. Um, so if you wanted to um, if you wanted to use that, then we we also provide support for that. Uh, then another very um, actually battle tested uh, product out there is DCOS. This is from the Apache Foundation, and they have um, they they have a they have a product called Marathon that um, you can use to basically do the orchestration. And uh, just to give um, everyone an idea here. Uh, with, with with the marathon, you can you can basically do scheduling not only for the Docker containers, you can do for other type of applications too. So um, because of the popularity, I believe um, the way the Docker provide the uh, the API or the containers, um, the containers become synonymous with Docker. But um, it, I think it's important to call out that if you're working with microservices, then it, uh, and you choose to use some other technology, then you can actually host them on uh, on marathon too. Uh, they also have the REST-based API, so you can communicate with Marathon. And because it's REST-based, it's a pretty, pretty much technology agnostic at that point in time. So, 
uh, we'll we'll take a look at the demo for one of these, um, like how you can put the uh, container out there in the Azure Container Service. So um, I think the first demo what we'll do is that we'll go ahead and create a uh, container and um, use it um, to deploy on a different um, Azure hosting platforms. So um, I will just quickly check the Docker is there. And um, the container that we'll create is um, based on ASP.NET Core. And so I have the test application um, ready. If you want to do, do it on your end, you can do the, um, the, the Yeoman and then use that tool to uh, create this uh, basic project. Um, one thing that this project provide you is the Docker file built-in. So if you take a look at the Docker file here real quick, um, you will see that it has all the basic information here. So we opening the port 5000, which is the default, and then um, it will make sure that uh, it compiles. Um, so the way we do it is that, that I already have it compiled, um, like build. So um, if I do the Docker images, I have the um, ASP core hello world here. So um, I can go and run it. Uh, so do Docker run. And we do the port mapping here to 5000 and ASP core. And um, okay, so now we're going to go and run this. So I will map the port because I'm using 5000 internal to the container. And um, we will make sure the name of the container is there. And um, basically, it should go and run this. Um, Looks like it started. Yeah, so if we go here and localhost and we map it to, and here we go. So we have the hello world right here. And well, it's not really fancy. I get that, but it's it's working. There's the whole idea. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. Couple of things here, right? So we wanted to make sure that we put this out to uh, some place where um, Azure environment can access it, because eventually we wanted to uh, run this um, outside my laptop, right? Um, that would be that would be better. So one way to do it is um, um, the, the way that I choose it for this demo is put it on the Docker Hub. It's, um, it's a public uh, repo. So um, I have my own account here and I put it over here. So what we basically did here is we created um, a container because another container, I call it two because we wanted to put it out there in the, uh, in the public repo and it's now ready to be, uh, to be pushed. Uh, okay. So actually, it will be a push command here, and uh, we'll go ahead and. So you're taking the container that's local and pushing it up onto the onto the site, the 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 storage site for containers. Yes. So what I'm doing over here, just to uh, remind everyone here, that I'm trying to put it right here. Yeah. Which is the public repo. If you have a private uh, repo that you can actually host on Azure or somewhere else, you, you, you will use the same command. It's just going to connect to a different repo. Okay. And uh, this time, hopefully, it should go. Yeah. So you start um, uploading, and hopefully, within a uh, few minutes, it should be done. Um, so you can see it's, um, it's done. And if you go and refresh this, we have the um, Hello World 2 here. 
So here we yep. go. Yep. So now what we'll do is that that we will try to use this um, outside my laptop. So the first um, service I will use is the uh, is the app service, and app service recently started uh, supporting the, uh, the the Docker containers. And um, the way you do it is you create a. Um, let me show you. So you basically go and start uh, creating a new service, and you can say app service Linux, and you can search for it. And Right now it's in preview, so you know uh, may or may not be 100% um, uh, giving it 100% results all the time. Um, so you will go and create like an app service as you as you normally do, um, and um, rather than like waiting for this to be done completely, um, I have one already created. So if I go back here and um, go with the Uh, don't ask me why I created the such a <laughs> brutal name for the resource group. Uh, uh, basically, what we have is a is a is a is a demo container. Uh, by name demo container. This is the app uh, service that we have. And if you go into the app settings, um, actually in the Docker container, it will allow you to select the image. So you will see that there are three options here. Um, uh, they have the build-in option, so if you choose the build-in, there's a few runtime stack that they support, um, uh, and they have images that drive from these stacks. Um, I actually wanted to use the one that that I developed, so um, it's a Docker hub. It can be private or it can be a public registry, and then we have the um, it can have it also on the um, on the private registry outside the Docker hub. So in this case, um, we have um, let's say the uh, Hello World 2 here, and we can save it, and it will essentially connect um, to the uh, the public repo, and then try to get it, uh, get the image from that. Now, um, right now, because it's public, it doesn't need any authentication, but otherwise, you have to provide the credentials. Um, oh. One thing, uh, quickly to mention here, is that that if your um, if you if your container need to have a mapping, then it it has to be defined over here, because again, this is running in the app service environment, uh, which which needs the knowledge that, you, that the mapping of the ports need to happen. Um, so it seems like that is done. So it's uh, it's done right here, and um, we will. The easiest way to test it out is that we go back here and. Um, we uh, we have this um, uh, this URL here. If you go and browse it, we will see the hello world right here. So basically, if you notice the URL here, this is the uh, this is the web app uh, within the app service hosting of our container, basically running it. Um, so this yeah. is one option that we have to to run containers on the uh, app services. Okay. That's um, cool. Oh yeah. So this is in previews. Is recently been added. Um, the um, the other demo that I want to show you is um, same container, uh, but uh, this time we will use the uh, the container service. Now the container service um, is the the Azure container service, um, as we saw earlier. That it's a, it's a more holistic hosting platform, so it provides you different um, uh, tools to be hosted uh, by the service. So what what this means is that when you go and create uh, if you go and type in Azure Container Service here, 
um, you will notice that it's um, you can create it and the options going to be um, uh, going to be more broader so um, let me just choose a name here and uh, it actually needs the uh, the uh, the public key here um, so you need to create the uh, private public key pair um, I basically have it uh, created before so I'm not going to create it here um, I will just basically wanted to show you that how to create a new container service but um, if you go back and take a look at the one that I have um, if I go in um, it basically um, give you option to either um, use the docker swarm kubernetes and um, uh, DCOS and you can select um, uh, between uh, between the between the three um, I choose the docker swarm and docker swarm basically have concept of these like agents and the agent pools and in this case I basically have um, one agent running um, my uh, uh, will run my my container and um, basically we have this sort of like a like a front um, for that that will um, that we can actually connect and see our container running um, how do you actually do that it's a little bit more involved so I'm not going to go in complete detail but what I can show you is I'm basically SSH into that particular um, agent so this is the agent which actually is running let me go back um, this is actually a VM so I can do the SSH okay. to it and uh, within that uh, our container is running so if I go back here um, you will notice that that um, the container is running over here um, the the thing to realize here is that that um, unlike the app service in this case you're using a swarm to manage the, the, the like the cluster of your uh, containers so you're not necessarily going to do it yourself so there's certain benefits because in this case you can scale um, and provide certain type of information to swarm and then it will um, able to do it for you so um but in a nutshell if you go back here that really means that if we if we go ahead and create a new one here let's just click this one and so this is the address right here and this will give you the hello world the same hello world that we saw earlier on because the container is um, mm -hmm. the same um, docker file and the code so this is one way of running um, like a container within the ACS in this case using swarm um, you can use kubernetes you can use DCOS um, too uh, you still need to set it up upfront um, so the, the different ways to set it up uh, the easiest way I found is that you can go to the um, to the Azure container service page and then they provide you um, not only the like educational piece they also provide you this um, this great um, arm template to actually um, build these um, entire um, uh, to build the entire service so if you go here um, you will notice that they talk about these options and um, and this is uh, this this gets updated uh, quite often so um, there's an option right here deploy the cluster uh, in this case is um, um, it will walk you through basically step by step for all the deals so like how to put the SSH keys so this is a good way to start if you wanted to like fully automate it you don't want to use the um, the Azure portal for that you can also do that and for that basically you need to um, you need to work through the ARM template um, and uh, one way to do it is uh, by going to the Azure 
container service git arm and um, this will give you the arm template uh, that uh, that is needed uh, so it's the same article here and uh, they have the uh, the different type of um, uh, they're different type of uh, articles here provide you supporting like how, how you can how you can use the arm template for that um, so that's the Azure Container Service piece. Um, and finally, let's take a look at the Service Fabric. So for the Service Fabric, um, uh, you can you can do multiple things with Service Fabric. So um, what I'm doing right now, I'm in a VM uh, with a local uh, Service Fabric environment installed. And um, I also created a, let me go back, a cluster uh, in, in Azure. So if you go back to the, uh, actually let's go back here, to the Service Fabric. And um, this is the uh, this is a landing sort of like a page in uh, in Azure for the for the service fabric. And you will notice that with the service fabric, we uh, we create the the nodes and it will basically going to manage it for you. Um, what I have here installed uh, installed is an application. And the easiest way to look into it is going to this dashboard, and it gives you basically a view like into your um, entire service fabric cluster, like what's going on. Um, but without going into too much detail, I think th the important point here is that that um, you can create a microservice, a stateful, a stateless, and deploy it over here. If you wanted to bring your guest executable, like a container, you, you can do that. Um, for this demo, actually, I choose to uh, create the same, like a hello world ASP.NET Core application, uh, but as a stateless service. Um, so for that, the way you do it is um, you go in, create a new project and uh, you select the fabric and then there are different options here. Um, ASP.NET Core is right now is in preview at the time of this recording. It will be hopefully soon will be shared. Um, then we have the guest executable. This is where you wanted to, uh, if you wanted to host container or any executable for that matter, literally I can have a console application. Um, you can put it over here. Um, then we have the state less web API, this is your like uh, traditional ASP.NET web API, you can with the Oven component there. Um, the actor service that I briefly mentioned early on, like for like connected system, IoT scenarios usually resonate with them. Um, and then we have the stateful service with the, uh, which is basically going to provide you the reliability. So the, the different ways to create microservices here, and I think that that's the reason why we, um, we for the scenarios where you're really looking for that hyperscale feature set, um, mm -hmm. you want customers to go in and look into and evaluate this first, like what would be a good fit for them. Um, for this uh, demo, I created the ASP.NET Core um, application, and uh, um, actually, let me just go ahead and open it somewhere. Uh, so right here, and um, what we have over here, if I go and run this as is, it's um, essentially the ASP.NET Core uh, running uh, on uh, Service Fabric Cluster. And um, the easiest way to test it out locally is um, set up just simply a basic um, a Service Fabric Cluster. And uh, what I have over here is a five node uh, cluster. Um, because not everyone may have access at the time of development uh, to, the, uh, to the Azure, um, Azure cluster. Um, so if you go back now and look at uh, this uh, localhost 8182 endpoint, we are running our uh, ASP.NET uh, core application right here. Um, 
a few things to call out here. Um, you can actually take this as is, and you can, um, it actually comes with a PowerShell script to deploy it. So you can do the deployment within, like from within T Visual Studio, or you can simply use the uh, PowerShell and take the package and um, use some other machine to, to automate it. This is completely possible. You can also have the advanced like a DevOps scenarios where you can have the uh, integration with the VSO and then have a build automated releases and things like that. Um, the way that I did it for this demo is I went in and I choose the uh, publish option here, and uh, this is the uh, this is the basically my connection endpoint. And the reason why I know this because uh, this is essentially um, this uh, this cluster right here. So um, if we go and publish this, um, then it will go ahead and package it. It's not already packaged. All the behind the scenes stuff. A few minutes just to save time here. All right. So. Um, so we basically, de I deployed it already there. I don't want to necessarily take those few minutes to for us to wait here and see how it could deploy it. But essentially, it's going to package it up and deploy it. And uh, if I go to this endpoint here and run this, this is essentially the same Hello World. Um, and it's running right here um, in the Azure Service Fabric cluster. One minor thing I want to call out here that I did um, is apart from clicking on that publish button is I went to the load balancer and you wanted to make sure that the incoming request uh, can be routed to a proper port internally. Sure. Because the remember internally the service is running on a different port. In this case, um, uh, it's running on the port 8182. So you need to basically have a some sort of rule telling the load balancer that, hey, if the request is coming on port 80, map it to the port um, sure. 8182. So you have to do this step. When you do it through the ARM template or if you do it through the PowerShell, you can you can automate it. But yeah. just if you're doing a hand, you have to do it. So that's pretty much concludes the demo piece. Cool. Yeah, that was actually pretty neat. Um, uh, I think this is uh, very interesting. Uh, by the way, what's your shirt say? Oh, my shirt, it says, um, I ate all pie, yeah, and it was delicious. Yeah, yeah. You got I it. got the pie, and it was delicious part. <laughs> I figured that the first one was eight, or that there was an eight in there somewhere. Yes, um, I think the mission is also, yeah. <laughs> cool deal. Well, listen, man, thanks for doing this for us. Is there a place that uh, people can go to get more information? Um, yeah, sure. So um, I do wanted to call out here, um, and I'm basically, um, if you look at the PowerPoint slide here, um, we, um, PSFD provides um, different type of um, services around um, microservices. So we have the assessment uh, that um, that basically goes from like few days to few weeks, depending on the customer, um, to, to help them out, assess their maturity level on the microservices. Some customer wanted to have this sort of like a early look into microservices. So we work with them and analyze like how much work is gonna be for them, provide the roadmap and things like that. Um, also doing a lot of proof of concepts type work and the pilot, which is basically like, okay, we know what we probably want. Can you just give us sort of like a view into it and build something? So we usually work with their teams and help them out. That's, that's another thing that is really good for the customers, especially who are looking into uh, moving to cloud and wanted to um, evaluate as your 
you know, hosting options for, for microservices. Um, we also have a pretty good uh, degree of educational related um, items. So we have workshop and the chalk talks. Um, two workshops that um, that are available today is one is building microservices using containers. It's a three-day workshop. Um, it basically starts from the premise that, well, let's talk about containers, the entire landscape, then is grow more into like building some microservices and um, deploying them into um, into the into the Azure cloud. Uh, I have to call out that if customers are predominantly working towards like having microservices first on premises, it's still very relevant. Um, and we do have hands-on labs, so you basically get um, some uh, some some sort of like a hands-on experience with it. Um, we also have a three-day workshop on Azure Service Fabric programming models and um, how to create like microservices using Service Fabric. Uh, this is again totally focused on uh, microservices, particularly with the service fabric piece, and um, it also have hands-on labs. Um, there are other chalk talks that we also have, which are like 60 to 90 minute interval, ranging from like, hey, I don't know anything about microservices to we we tried a little bit. Let's talk about how to put them into operations and what are the challenges. So, sure, and I will share these um, uh, data sheets with you too. Well, man, that was awesome. Thanks for doing that for us. Thanks, Lex and Gus. Thanks for having me. Yeah, anytime. Um, uh, and happily, you know, we'll invite you back. I, I love doing these shows with you. This one was pretty deep. I think that developers will get a lot out of this. And hopefully somebody that's considering containers um, and has watched our previous containers video uh, will get a lot, about, uh, a lot out of this one. So um, pretty interesting stuff. It is, and I think the the areas that we didn't really have time to uh, touch upon um, in in today's talk is the, for example, the DevOps piece. How do you operationalize it uh, from Visual Studio all the way down into production? Like how things work, how the you know how you wanted to look into some of the pieces running in production. How do the monitoring? What tools we have over there? So yeah, I mean it's probably like bits of pieces that that goes with that. Yeah, well that sounds like another show to me. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be back and uh, talk about it. Okay. All right. Well, listen, thank you so much for doing this for us. And guys, that's your taste of Premiere.